We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, partner, we never thought it would come. Well, who we kidding? It always sneaks up on us. It is officially NFL Draft Week here in Baltimore. Taping this on Monday morning, April 24th, just days out from the start of the 2023 NFL Draft. And we're excited to bring back one of our first ever guests. Uh, matter of fact, uh, if you go back to our opening month back uh, last summer, we had Jason Smith from Huddle It Up Films on to essentially break down the 53 man roster projection. And he is just so detail oriented, so thorough. He's been doing this for so long. He runs a YouTube channel called huddle it up films, an active member of Ravens Twitter. And I know you and I are both very, very excited to bring him back just because of how diligent he is when it comes to uh, specifically this time around his Ravens centric NFL draft big board. Yeah, I still remember the first time uh, I met Jason. I mean, obviously not in person, but online. And we were both on film study and we were doing a draft special. And he was kind of the glue for that whole show uh, because he had his big board that was Raven centric. And I mean, he's clearly watched film on countless numbers of prospects. So he is the perfect guest to get us going into this week. A couple housekeeping items before we bring him in. Obviously, first and foremost, as we've been plugging over the last week or so, we will have a marathon live stream action for you. Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, we'll kick it off. We're going to go right up until midnight. We're going to have special guests like former Super Bowl winning Raven, Femi Ayamba Dejo dropping by, Voice of the Ravens, Barry Sandusky, Cole Jackson for the Twitter and, and film study aspect of it, and so much more throughout that that evening so uh, plug your you know calendars accordingly mark them accordingly and then one more thing as well again we're taping this on monday the 24th tomorrow tuesday morning we're going to do our a monthly mailbag episode for our patrons whether you're a patron or not uh, please consider writing us a submission uh, via email at baltimore ravens vault at gmail.com for a chance to have your question asked uh, and answered in this week's mailbag so with that let's bring him in jason smith back inside the vault good to have hey. you brother and, and hey. first and foremost you know I, I know you look back at the the roster projection episode we did and literally it was the infancy of our show so some folks may not even remember it maybe they weren't even on board at that point in the summer um so you know i, I think we just want to start with how do you put together your your raven centric big board and and maybe even reintroduce yourself to our audience 
Sure. I'm Jason. I thank you for the, the intro. I really appreciate you guys having me on, but, uh, you know, just a long time Ravens fan. I even rooted for the, the blue and white way back in the day. And, uh, I got to attend the 1998 Ravens draft with the Ravens media at the time. I remember meeting Scott Garso. I was getting my picture taken right by him. And I've just always been fascinating in the, in the scouting part of the draft, you know, how players translate. It's, it's such, such a tough job. So basically, you know, I start during the season, but I don't start putting my board together until, you know, after the senior bowl and really start nailing it down after the combine and some of the official measurements come in, but it's all about tiers to me, you know, before you get into need, you put them in tiers. A first round pick is a first round pick and you don't want to reach and pick somebody, a lesser talented player. So once you break them down into tiers, then you start to adjust the needs as free agency goes on. And that's how I come up with all those names, but it's just, it's a joy to me. It's, it's a love of mine. So Jason, so do you watch film on all of these guys that you have in the board? And if you do, like how many games of each guy do you watch? I, I watch, I try to watch at least three. Now the, the top prospects like Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, those guys that I don't think have any chance to drop to us, you know, no, I don't, I don't watch them. Or right. if, uh, you know, in past years, like with the quarterbacks, I'm not watching them. It just takes so much time to do that. Yeah. But the, you know, everybody else, yes. Three plus games, usually around 250 players. Ooh. ooh. Okay. Well, let's, yeah. let's bring it up here, Bobby. Can you explain this real quick? Cause it's, Raven centric. So your board will look a lot different than like an NFL board, right? So how does this, like, if you were going to do one for the NFL versus the Raven centric one, how did the two differ? Well, I think, uh, you know, like I said, those tiers, those colors, they would, they would probably be about the same colors for any NFL team. Uh, you know, the, okay. the dark green is a true first round pick. Uh, the, the light green are guys that I expect to go in the first round. So, for instance, like at the end of that light green, you see number 19, B. John Robinson, number 20, Dalton Kincaid. Those aren't needs for the Ravens necessarily, especially tight end. But I have to put them on the board somewhere, so I'm going to give them their due. So, if you know, if, if the board was dried up and no quarterbacks were taken, for instance, and Dalton Kincaid sitting there, number 20, somehow miraculously, uh, by a miracle, the top guy on my board, are you really going to take him over the wide receiver, edge rusher, or corner behind him? No, but – you know, they have to go on the board somewhere. So I do give the players their proper due in that. But I would say, you know, fit wise, it does come into play. Like if you look at number 34, Kalaja Kansi, great player, but he's not built for our defense. If if we drafted him, I'd be excited, but it would be a change from the Ravens defense uh, because he's not a two gapping defensive tackle. He's undersized. He's a pass rusher. He's a gap penetrator. The run game is average at best, especially if you translate it to the, to the NFL level. So some of those bigger defensive tackles who are able to two gap and not just shoot a gap, um, you know, are going to take priority. So the Ravens scheme does come into play as well. So Jason, just for our audio only audience, making sure that I'm getting this correct. You have eight players who are true, you know, dark green first round grades, which I mean, is that low in your estimation? How does this compare to past classes? And and do you do you find yourself being? I don't. Are you lukewarm on the twenty twenty three class? I mean, big picture stuff before we dive in. I think that it is a little light. Usually, you'd like to get to ten or twelve of those guys. I mean, first round grades are hard to to earn. In in my opinion, you know, I was always taught that they should be a first rounder in any draft. You're going to give somebody a first round grade, so. What I generally like to do is look back at the last two or three drafts, compare it because the game changes, of course, positions of need change. 
Like if this was 15 years ago, B. John Robinson would be up in that dark green as a true first round grade. So um, those are players that I think would go in the first round of any draft. Now, the one that I'm going out on a limb with a little bit is Joey Porter Jr. there at number eight. I see, you know, a lot of scenarios where he slips down into the Ravens uh, range, but a big corner, fast corner, just matches up really well. NFL bloodlines, of course, with his father being uh, one of my least favorite players of all time, actually, and Joey Porter <laughs> Sr. But, um, but still, you know, when you're the son of an NFL player, the expectations are a little bit different. You hold yourself to a higher standard. You understand what NFL life is like. And uh, I generally kind of gravitate to, to those kind of players. So, Jason, we're going to we'll go dive deep because I know, you know, obviously the two biggest needs for the Ravens right now are cornerback and wide receiver. We'll get we'll get into those questions in just a second. Really quickly, with with you having uh, Bijan Robinson at number 19, uh, obviously the Ravens don't have a huge need at running back, although they will after this year because all three of their guys, top guys are uh, in the last year of their contracts. Would you be okay if Eric DaCosta pulled the trigger at number 22 for B. John Robinson, seeing as you have him, in, have him at 19 and DaCosta is there at 22? I wouldn't like it, to be honest, but that's a personal preference of mine. I, I see him, I've seen the uh, comparisons to Saquon Barkley, and I just, I don't see him as that kind of explosive player. I see him get caught from behind on tape, for, for instance. So I see him more of a Najee Harris, a complete back, a very good player. But the Ravens, something tells me that the Ravens are going all in this year with the, the void years and Odell Beckham and, and Michael Pierce. I believe Gus may, may have got some of those. So for this year, 2020, I think that, or 2023, I think backs are easier to find. You can reset that entire room, whereas like a, a group like defensive line where next year we're going to look pretty bleak is a different story. I think the Ravens would be wise to draft one. What's wild is if we rewind back to 2020, um, and, and think about one of the best backs that was out there in, in J.K. Dobbins. I don't think any of us would have predicted them spending second round draft kind of capital on a running back coming off the best season ever, essentially single season ever when it comes to, you know, rushing categories and whatnot. But but maybe they saw something coming that we didn't with what Mark Ingram had left in the tank. And so I just wonder with Gus coming off and and not to say that I didn't feel like Gus had a step back, you know, uh, his, his hitch back in the giddy up last year. Right. Cause I really did think that, but I wonder if they always know more than we do, you know, and, and Gus is coming off a torn ACL and he's had a lot of NFL miles under him. So I'm just like one of those sleeper picks. I don't know about at 22, but if they end up trading back and accumulating picks and a player like Bijan falls, man, it's going to be really hard for them to leave him on the board, but let's keep moving here. You know, how about this? Let's, let's get, let's get you going here. It's early in the morning. We got to get you. You've been up for hours. You told us we're taping this at 8 AM. You said you've been up since three. I mean, you're clearly getting ready for the draft, Jason. But uh, how, how about this? Instead of predicting the player that will land in Baltimore at 22, how about we go through a little bit of an exercise and you give us the three players that you could potentially see come off the board there for the Ravens if they stay put? Okay, I'm going to get hopeful on this. So you guys are going to love it. Um, I'm looking at that light green section. And I think, you know, big picture wise, when you talked about the strength of this draft, I think that there are a lot of players that are graded very similarly on, on team sports. So there's not this glutton of superstars, can't miss type prospects. And I think that this, so this year more so than others, even that team fit and team need are going to, and style of player are going to come into play. So what I mean by that is maybe you need an offensive lineman. Well, do you want a mobile offensive lineman or do you want a mauler? 
Uh, you need a receiver. Do you want a speed receiver? Or do you want a route runner, a possession receiver? So that kind of thing is really going to come into play. And I look at that, you know, 12, 11, 12, 13, 14 range. And those players, I think, would all fit really well for the Ravens. Part of the reason why they're up there in the uh, in the light green, even, even uh, Lucas Van Ness at number 10, I, I think that he'll probably go, but that would be a dream pick. So anywhere in the top of that green, that's where I'm looking. I think Zay Flowers in particular, a guy that uh, a lot of Ravens fans have been interested in and getting a lot of questions about. I think he'd be perfect for what I believe Todd Blunkin's offense will look like when he's talking about players who are good in space. I mean, Zay Flowers is not the tallest receiver. He's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, but he's rocked up, a buck eighty. Uh, fearless player. Everything he does is with urgency. He can make you miss. He can take it to the house. He's a 4-4, low 4-4 guy. It shows on tape. Um, tough, tough player. He's fighting for every single yard. And uh, just stylistically, like if I've, I've said it many times, he's the toughest wide receiver in, in, in the draft. It's a word that I keep coming back to with Zay Flowers. And you can say the same thing about Deontay Banks at number 13. Uh, Banks at 13 and Emmanuel Forbes at 14. That's your classic. Like, I always like the comp to Ravens players for Ravens fans. So Banks would be your your Marlon Humphrey, your physical boundary corner. Stick him out there on the island. He can bump with the bigger bodies. He's fast enough to hang with the fast receivers. You can move him all around. Banks, I think, can stick anywhere. And Emmanuel Forbes at number 14. NCAA record six pick sixes in his career. Six of them. He returned for a touchdown. Um, the, the issue people have with him, and you see the stars I have around him, he's my positional favorite of the group. Uh, and when you see that on my board, that means I like him more than consensus. So I'm admitting my, my own personal bias towards him to where I feel like strongly it's where I'm planting my flag at, uh, you know, in that player's draft stock, but he's six foot, a buck 66 at the combine. So slender, but he has the best eyes in this draft out of any quarterback, which shows in his interception production runs a four, three, six, and he uses his size really well. Like he knows that, uh, you know, he's not a big, you know, big guy. He knows he's undersized. So he'll take out your legs and talk to you about it. He'll set the edge and force the action back inside for linebackers to clean up and they'll let you know about it. And he's just a very feisty player, excellent eyes, an interceptor. I would love to have a playmaker in that spot. You know, who knows if Marcus Peters is lying in wait, you know, maybe they would like a guy like Banks better a versatile corner, but Emmanuel Forbes, you know, I have a soft spot for him. I think he's going to be great wherever he goes. All right. So let's, let's do this. Let's say that um, flowers banks, Forbes, do you feel like Jackson Smith could fall there? Or you I think he'll be gone? So. I would okay, hope well, so, but, uh, but I, you know, I, who knows it, it depends what scouts think of his speed, but he's a complete receiver. I just love Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay. Well, let's say that Jackson Smith and Jigba, Flowers, Banks, and Forbes are all there. Now, obviously, that's a trade-back scenario, but EDC cannot find a trade partner. Those four are there. Who are you taking? Yeah, I would take I would take Jackson Smith and Jigba. I really would. I mean, when I'm ordering that part of the board especially, there's no buddy system. I'm going player for player for player What if all of these guys are on the board. So I've won through that scenario, Sarah. And with Smith and Jigba, if you look at his – combine his tape from the last two years. He's just so polished. He's professional. I don't worry about the, you know, the average speed at all. I think that he's, he's not just a slot receiver. You can put him outside. 
his the way he leverages defenders and the thing that stuck out to me at the combine was well number one he ran a four uh, sub four second shuttle a 3.93 which is a quickness drill most of the guys his peers are running 4.2s 4.3s he comes in he runs a 3.93 so you're talking about excellent body control and quickness for a guy that's six foot tall and and is built um but he was at the combine and it cracked me up. I'm watching the field drills and most guys are like the real tight and nervous and making sure they're going around the cones one time and he's doing head fakes and everything else going into out of his breaks. It was just like, yeah, this guy's on another level. And you see that with his production on the field, the way he sets up defenders, leverages defenders tough after the catch. I mean, he's just got pro written all over him. Got the Ohio state bloodlines. You see those guys come right out and compete. So if he falls to 22, I'd be all over him because I think he's the best receiver in the class. Okay, two – sorry, Bobby. I know we're, we got other questions, but two follow-up questions on that. Number one, with Jackson Smith, are you at all concerned that he basically had a year-long hamstring injury? And then number two, if he were gone and say Addison were still there, does that mean that you would take uh, Flowers in, ahead of Banks and, Banks and Forbes? I do like Zay Flowers, but I think that a lot of that also has to do with – who's lying in wait or what are their other plans? Is there a receiver? Is there a trade available? Is Marcus Peters sitting there ready to come back? So I think that the Ravens would do it better than me. I would just be happy to get any one of those players, but okay. the hard order for receivers is the hard order for receivers for me. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Safe flowers. And then Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, very professional route runner. He gets separation at the top of his route, very crafty, experienced. Um, he's just, He's not a great athlete. That's the best. It's, he, he's not fast, but he's kind of fast. He's 5'11", 173, so he's kind of slender. Uh, he played with two NFL quarterbacks and Kenny Pickett and Caleb Williams last year, who's going to be probably the top pick in the draft next year. So a lot of that production came from, like, it's proven, but he doesn't stick out. He's not real quick, not real fast, pretty small, um, slender. So professional receiver, but I, a lot of these guys, again, Sarah and Bobby, they're, they're number two type receivers, so it's going to be dealer's choice when it comes down to it. What kind of flavor do you want uh, in the player? So and then the just to follow up, board, you're, not, you're, you're yeah. not concerned about Jackson Smith and Jigba's hamstring. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm not. I, I saw a full season from him playing with uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson where he was in the slot with those guys. And uh, he's just a pro, Sarah. You know, I, I think with other players, I would need to see more. If there's a tight end in this class that I have bumped way down my board compared to others, for instance, because I just haven't seen it. But with Jack, Jackson Smith and Jake, but he's, he's a pro. He's pro ready. You plug him in. He's, he'll be fine. So the second board that you've provided us just for our audio only audience, Jason, is uh, breaks these guys down by by position. And specifically for the Ravens, we know that they do have needs per se at, at cornerback and, and wide receiver that they have to address at some point throughout the draft. So let's just begin with uh, one, you know, your your corner room and two your wide receiver room and and what you like specifically about a couple prospects in Mingo and Forbes. Yes, Mingo is my star pro- prospect, uh, positional favorite. Uh, like you mentioned, Forbes is is in the cornerback room, but Jonathan Mingo, it's it's just very obvious with him that he's built for the pros, and I think he'll have a better pro career, more productive pro career than he did even at college. Uh, 6'2", I believe, over 200 pounds. And uh, after the catch, he's like a running back. He's able to use that size really well in the past game to screen people off. Uh, Big body receiver. 
just will translate really, really well coming from the same school, of course, as AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. So they've, they've churned out some, some pros themselves, some high end pros. Mingo, I think this climbed up people's draft boards uh, during this process, seeing more and more about him, but he's been right there since I saw him at the senior bowl. He stood out among his peers. I think he'd be a great pick. I see him slip into, you know, third and fourth rounds in some of these mock drafts. And I, I just don't see it. I think he's, second round all day what do you think of uh just because we haven't asked about him quentin johnston i know that you know he's the guy that has the um the prototype kind of measurements that you like um still seems to you know i I mean has a lot of potential doesn't seem to have a lot of production what do you think of quinston quentin johnston is yes he's he's the most frustrating player for me to evaluate in this draft because half the time I think he should be the number one receiver and the other half of the time I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him. Like I'd just say whoever else is there, let's just go with him because he's very confusing. He's six, three. You like, you mentioned Sari, he's got that body for to play X receiver. He could play anywhere and be productive. And you'll see him take a street screen pass with that big body and have Fred Flintstone tight feet and make people miss and, and house at the distance. And then the next play, you'll see a ball downfield and he'll just get bullied. And uh, the, the most frustrating part for me is when there's a pass downfield, you know, the defensive backs are jumping up, reaching their arms up, going for the ball and he'll jump, but he won't extend. He'll try to body catch it downfield. Sometimes he's late picking up the ball. Um, and I said this to a couple other people, the best way I could explain it to you, to, to you in Ravens terms was I get kind of like Miles Boykinish vibes. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask that. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that with him. You'll see a play, a fade in the end zone where it takes him an extra second to pick up the ball. Defensive back is catching it and he's still backing up, you know, running this route. Sorry for going out of the picture there, but I get a little animated, but that's what you're getting. He could be the best receiver in this draft. He really could. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a couple of drops during this pro day. I don't think that helped him. You know, sometimes I just get this like blank stare with him. Like, yeah, let's just take somebody else who we know, we know what we're getting in the first round. The worst thing we can do is bust in the first round pick. In my opinion, you know, you want to get somebody who's ready to play. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That's scary because when you think about the physical traits that Miles had coming out of what, uh, Norder, was it Notre Dame? Yep. I think it was Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken. You, th- you think about those traits and it just like never, it never worked out for him. You know, they never matched up at the NFL level, which is too bad. But how about a scenario? Everybody's talking about trading back, right? You listen to local radio, they're trading back. You listen into local podcasts or, you, or channels, you name it, they're trading back. And I, I don't, I, I'm not going to deny that. I just wonder, Jason, ha- having looked at this board so thoroughly and built it the way that you have, What's a scenario that you could envision where the front office is like, oh, heck yeah, we're trading back Thursday night? Well, hopefully they have a trading partner because I think that this would be a good draft to do it because, like I mentioned, I think defensive line is a sneaky need. And if a guy like Brian Brzee from right here in Maryland and Damascus is there, if he slips, then you have a receiver or two that you'd like. Jalen Hyatt is a receiver we haven't talked about. I think he'd be a perfect fit for this system, which is why I have him one slot ahead of Johnston. Uh, on my receivers board, he'll be able to take the top off the defense right away. He's six foot tall as well, blazing fast. So you want to compliment two route runners like Odell Beckham and, and Rashad Bateman. I think Jalen Hyatt would be a great trade back candidate. Maybe get him in, you know, 25, 26, 27, if he lasts that long. And the same thing with the corners, defensive linemen, it'll kind of be last call for top tier of those guys. So I would be with it. And, uh, I can't go one show without mentioning the my guy on the defensive line. And you'll love this, Sarah, because I practice. It's Adi mm-hmm. Tamiwa Adebore. And Whoa. Mr. Adab- yeah, pretty impressive, well done. right? Well done. <laughs> Mr. Adebore deserves to, for people to know his name, and I think they will in, in the future. Uh, it, he is the most interesting, one of the most interesting evaluations in this class. Because when I watched him on tape, he was playing edge a lot. And, you know, he kind of looked big, oversized for an edge. And then I saw him at the senior bowl and they had him lined up at defensive tackle. And he was just too quick and too strong, just uprooting guys on the, on the defensive line or in the offensive line, excuse me. Uh, He just stood out among his peers, big, long, strong, quick, everything you could ask for physical skills, had some moves in there. Uh, So I really liked him, and I'm thinking, well, he, he can't play defensive tackle at 260. That's, that's just not going to work. He's going to be one of these tweener guys. Who's not really an edge, but too small to play defensive tackle. Then he shows up at the combine, weighs 282, I think, and runs a 449 for a D tackle. 449, same wow. same speed as Jordan Addison, by the way. Um, just ridiculous. So I put the tape together. I think he would have been a much better prospect if Northwestern would have left him at D tackle and just let him just let him be a D tackle. But um, tremendous athlete, and he's like like an inch shorter, ten pounds lighter, lighter than Justin Metabike. So if you want like a body composition type height, weight type thing, it looks like a Justin Matabike, just a, uh, an inch shorter. 
and he's got these long arms, and uh, I think he can defend the run really well and put pressure on your quarterback. He's my positional favorite at D-line, and if we trade it back, it wouldn't surprise me, Sarah and Bobby, if he went in the first round, and and he's a name nobody's talked about. So that's that's my favorite out of Bore. Mm. All right, well, kind of set this up based off of, like, the depth of each p- position. What would you like in terms of, like, uh, you know – is is cornerback so deep that you'd prefer to get corner, say at the third round or fourth round, and then go ahead and get a wide receiver in the first round, or like you said, a defensive line? Like, and what? How would you like it to fall, and how they address these different positions based off of the depth uh, at the positions of need? Yes, I actually have a strong opinion on this, and and that has to do with cornerback. I want another blue chip type player to go next to Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, the the, the depth is there at corner. I mean, we could wait until the, the third round and, you know, a guy like Tyreek Stevenson, Darius Rush, anybody in the blue there, uh, check out my big board. I'll have links. I'm sure these guys will too. Uh, you can see that the the draft, the day two pick, day three value is really deep at corner. They got slot corners in there if you want them. All kinds of different fits. But, like, we have Brandon Stevens, third round pick. We have Pepe and Jalen Armour Davis, fourth round picks. Like, I, I just don't know if I want to add another mid-round pick to that mix personally. I'd rather just have another stud opposite Marlin and figure the rest out from there. So if I had to pick, that's kind of why I'm heavy on cornerbacks in this draft as far as uh, pushing them ahead of wide receiver, even need-wise, is because we can find a wide receiver that can do many different things later in the draft. Complete corner, though, you know, they don't know where the receivers are going. There's a, a, a physical threshold of speed, height, weight that you need from a stud cornerback that receivers come in all shapes and sizes, but corners really don't. So my personal preference, give me that stud next to Marlon Humphrey. Okay, so corner first round and then come back around to wide receiver later. That's what I would That's what I would say if we were unable to trade back. Ideally, I think we're able to trade back and still get a corner that we really like. Uh, maybe even Cam Smith or, um, you know, like I said, Tyreek Stevenson. DJ Turner, I don't think is getting enough love from the flock. He's a Michigan guy too. So I'm sure the Ravens will have info on him, but DJ Turner guys, just to talk about him, he's 5'11". So he's not small. He's not, you know, big, but he's not small. Ran a 4'2 something like 4'2'6", and he's just as quick as he is fast. One of the stickiest corners in this draft. He has experience playing inside in the slot. He's got experience playing outside. I think he's very aggressive tackler. Think he would be a great fit and a great trade back candidate so if we can trade back and recoup maybe a second round pick or early third or uh you know and somehow get a cornerback and a wide receiver i think that would be very wise for us because both groups are deep and um you know edge rusher just to touch on that people have different feels as far as or different different thoughts uh feelings about do we need one or do we not those will be available in the third round a lot of guys to like in that class as well yeah, Chris Sims had Turner, uh, just to your point, you said he's kind of being slept on. He had Turner in his top five. I can't remember where in the top five. It was somewhere between three and five. And he was like, not, he's not getting enough love at all. So it looks like you're you're picking up on the same thing as him. I am, and I, I keep wanting to move him up the board. But, you know, a lot of teams will like Turner better as a slot corner because, you know, let's mm-hmm. face it, you know, we're in a division with, with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. That's the team we need to beat. They're both taller receivers playing bigger than their size. So, you know, at 5'11", you know, I'm not sure. That's why I have some of the bigger, taller playmaking receivers or cornerbacks ahead of him. 
But when it comes to sticky coverage and non-negotiable speed, it's DJ Turner. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if he went in the first round. I, I think he deserves to, to be honest with you. I think we all know that there's a, a need at, at guard with Ben Powers, you know, departing for a great payday in Denver and free agency, Jason. But uh, obviously it's probably not as pressing or at least the sexy thing to talk about, right? Like wide receiver and cornerback is. So how how would you advise or how would you like to see them address that need at the in the draft? That's a tougher one for me. I've, I've thought about this, but I think it's a, a very slim class when it comes to guards, especially pure guards. You guys know that a lot of times there'll be college tackles who are playing tackle because they're the best lineman on their team in college. And then they're, you know, they're better fit at guard in the NFL. And I keep seeing my first guard listed is Peter Skronsky and he's listed as a tackle. And I, I think, I feel like a lot of people with these mock drafts, they'll be like, Oh, this, this team needs a tackle. This guy's graded really high. Let's give him Peter Skronsky. But Daniel Jeremiah actually said in the uh, on the combine coverage something that I was thinking. He said that most teams have Skaronsky as a guard. So that's quite a difference when you're talking about investing in the first round pick. Like, are you really going to take a, a guard in the top 10, top 15? You know, that's a different story. Uh, you know, so he's a guy that I think might slip and might surprise us on draft day, Peter Skaronsky to be there at, at uh, 22. And he is an excellent, and I mean excellent, college tackle. But he's 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 built like a guard. That's the best way I can say it. He's a little undersized, short and stocky. You know, people will make a big deal out of his shorter arms and stuff like that. But I can see where he'd be a really, really good guard in this league, probably a better guard than tackle. Mobility, run blocking, you get a little bit of everything with him. So the flock, I don't think, would be real happy with that pick, but – it would certainly uh, be another building block, building that wall for Lamar's, uh, so to speak. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up. Chris Sims had Turner at number two behind Witherspoon. He definitely wow. thinks people are slipping on him. One more question on the, on the corner. So, because you said you wanted a blue chip guy who could pair, you could pair with um, Marlon Humphrey day one. I totally agree. Uh, <laughs> Bobby and I have debated. I mean, I've wanted them to go CB first round just because I'm. Uh, there's just been so many misses. Uh, we'll see what happens with with Rashad, but there's been so many misses in the first round and so many hits on corner. I just want somebody that they're going to hit on, you know, and take your chances elsewhere. But so looking at your cornerback rankings, where does a blue chip guy? Where do you cut it off? Who is not blue chip? Like where's the line where you're like, okay, this guy is blue chip, the rest below him or not? That's a tough call, but I'm looking, when I say blue chip, I'm looking at those top five guys on my board, Sarah. And yeah, that anybody in the green there, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, they should go in the top 10. Joey Porter Mm -hmm. Jr. I talked about uh, Deontay Banks and Emmanuel Forbes. That's five. And if you just do the math and throw the quarterbacks and the running back in there, I mean, chances are one of those guys are going to be there at 22. So, you know, when people ask me what's most likely to draft, you want a a number two type receiver, or do you want a guy that could be a number one cornerback on most teams where you would have two number one cornerbacks on our team? So, so yeah, it just, it just kind of smacks me in the face too, Sarah is like, it's a numbers game there when you're talking about 21 picks in front of you. And I can't see all five of them going before then. So if you don't like Forbes as much as me, maybe you only see that as four, four cornerbacks and not five, but um, like even in the, in the mid rounds, there's a couple of slot corners that are really good. Uh, there's a couple of outside corners that are really good. I'd really be happy with any of those top 14 corners. I think that they would improve the improve the room. 
Um, wow. My personal preference is to get one of those guys up top, though. All right. And now I've noticed, and you talked about this up top, that you really didn't look into quarterbacks, which, you know, I really don't think that the Ravens would, um, you know, use like the first round pick uh, on on a quarterback. I just think that they're they're still in on Lamar. They're, like you said, they're all in this season. And by using a first round pick on a quarterback, I think you would be like basically be kicking, you know, Lamar out the door. But what about maybe you haven't watched any of them? I was wondering about late rounders. Like I think of Hall from my, you know, BYU or uh, Stetson Bennett or anything like that. Because again, Huntley he's reportedly signing his his tender today. Um, but Ravens don't have anybody long term after this year. So do you feel good at, about maybe like a six rounder or so on a quarterback? I would say sure, but I would like to have more picks to be able to do that. Same like with the running backs. You know, if, we, if we're sitting here with five picks on draft day as we currently speak, maybe a trade is in the works and we were able to pick up a couple of picks, but I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to, um, to, to secure some kind of backup plan. Maybe some people would say even upgrade, depends what you think of Tyler, Tyler Huntley and give that player a year. But, um, but yeah, I'm with you on the, uh, I don't, you know, first round drafting a quarterback. You think we got enough drama right now. We drafted a <laughs> quarterback in the first round. Uh, you know, I think social media and, and sports center would have to shut down for a day. Well, with, with that said, do you like the idea of, of potentially going with the Georgia connection? There's been a lot of talk about Stetson and Munkin and all the success that they had together. Do you see that coming to fruition, whether it's, as an undrafted rookie or, or late in the draft? I could, I could be talked into it. Lisa, like Sarah said, I haven't really watched a lot of these guys, but I've seen the game. So you keep seeing the same things over and over again, like Dorian Thompson Robinson, by the way, out of UCLA, uh, he kept showing up and making plays. Stetson Bennett, of course, would be familiar with Todd Munkin's offense, be able to run it and probably come in and pick it up real quick. People, we talk about, well, he's 25, so we, you know, we don't know if we want to think, well, he's not going to be a franchise quarterback. So who really cares? You know, I, I think people make too much of age. Like, I don't care about age unless it's your franchise quarterback. Then I definitely care because you can see, hey, they're still young. They got room to grow. We're a first round pick. You can kind of see it. But most of these guys aren't, you know, you're lucky if they stay in the league past their second contract. So, uh, yeah, I did. I thought Stetson Bennett made a lot of good plays, a lot of heady throws. Very smart player. Uh, it looked like reading the defense and 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 not making mistakes when his team, the team around him, was very good. And of course, we'll have the same thing here in the Ravens. It's a pretty complete roster. You guys watch out for my guy, Jaron Hall. If he's there day three, he can move. He can move. He can work in this offense. So just just keep an eye on him. All right, I'm gonna scoot him up just go. for you. I'm putting him ahead of Dorian Thompson Robinson. Look, watch, <laughs> copy and paste. Bam! Anybody following? What? Look, I have two people looking at my sheet now. So, sorry, sir, but we're making a change in real time here. Hey, I love it. <laughs> He's going flying up the boards. Usually, it's the other way around on draft day. You fall, right? <laughs> He's flying put, up look, in Sarah's the, case here. Yeah, I'll put those little stars around him and give give Sarah all the credit. Or take all the credit myself. You see to put in put in a new key, put the two stars around them, but make it, you know, blue for BYU. And then and then the key is Sarah's positional favorite. There we like, go. You know what? I'll probably do that because I love you guys so much. So that's yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jason, uh what what else do you have coming up throughout the week? Plug anything that you'd like to um discuss. Obviously, you know, it's we're 
we're taping this on Monday. So a few days left remaining here. I'm sure your board will, will shift and be tweaked a little bit here and there, but what do you have coming up this week? Yeah. So in the first part, I, Tuesday is usually my day. So I, I like to just stare at the board for a couple of days and be like, don't make any last minute changes. You ever do that with your fantasy lineup and you got your mind set up all week and then you put somebody in the last minute and he bombs and you're like, man, you know, I thought about that all week. So that's what I do with my board. I set it for real on Tuesday and just live with it. Just live with it and look at it for two nice. days. But, um, but yes, draft day, uh, I'll be on with Ken McCusick film study again, I think all three days. So we'll see how that goes and just be, you know, talking about the players as they get drafted. I'm sure I'll have a lot of questions and be able to fill people in on the, on the different styles. And, uh, other than that, I would encourage people to check out my YouTube channel, Huddle It Up Films, because um, do you guys know that the content on my channel is just a little bit different from all other channels? You'll be able to find stuff, uh, film, highlights on offensive linemen, you know, rare stuff that you can't find on other films. So it's not as flashy. You're not going to see celebrations and crowd shots and all that other shots to stuff, but you'll see pure football. You'll be able to see players do the same thing over and over and over again. So you'll be able to get a feel for what makes them good what makes them successful in a Ravens uniform and player cutups and that kind of stuff. But I just really appreciate uh, you having me on again. And we did pretty well with our roster prediction. So hopefully I didn't make a, uh, what's that like freezing cold take, you know, somewhere yeah. along the lines <laughs> talking about 80 yeah. prospects. I'm sure I got one wrong. So uh, fingers crossed, you know, somebody just tagged freezing cold takes to one I had like two years ago. when I said, the Ravens don't need any wide receiver additions. They're fine. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> the internet does not forget. Freezing cold takes has the best freaking uh like business plan out there. I don't know how they make their money, but <laughs> clearly they're not lacking interaction and engagement. So, but uh but but Jason, this is this is awesome, man. You're you're so yeah. thorough and uh I know just like the the scouting world and the, the draft world, this is kind of your Super Bowl this week. So, we appreciate you carving out some time for us and we're definitely going to revisit the, the, you know, roster projection stuff over the summer. It's, it's going to be right around the corner. We know how it goes. OTAs is pretty much here once May turns and the, and the calendar flips. So um, you're the man, man. We appreciate you dropping by. Appreciate you, Jason. Bobby and Sarah, you know, you guys both have a special place in my heart and uh, I really appreciate the work you do. I'm fans of yours too. And um, I'm sure draft day is going to be great. Would you say Femi is going to be in the house? That sounds pretty fun. Femi's dropping by. We'll have we'll have voice of the Ravens, longtime voice Jerry Sandusky, Cole Jackson, uh, s several others that we're still trying to get finalized. And uh, it'll be a marathon. You're going to be doing your your thing with Ken McCusick, and as we, we've said it all week, there's so many different options for um, you know whether it's content creators within the Ravens community or the team itself, or obviously the national shows through NFL Network and ESPN will be live. Uh, but we always feel like, I mean, gosh, you know, come spend an hour with us, spend an hour with you guys, spend an hour with Engraven. There's, there's a ton to choose from that night. And uh, we just hope that, that folks will show everybody a little bit of love. Yeah. And if I could, I just want to echo that, you know, Engraven, another great person has been very, very kind to me and generous and done stuff behind the scenes and been there for me and uh, feel free to use my big board. Don't be shy. It's, it's all good. Like, um, I'm happy to be here and, and serve serve the flock with what I know. And, you know, I got all this time on my hands overnight. So I generally use it to do what I like, which is stay quiet, not wake up the wife and kids and watch football. So football is family. I love you guys. Heck yeah. Appreciate you. All right, Jason. We appreciate it, man. And, and as we've as we've said all week long, 
the next time we'll be in live mode unless something happens pre-draft which knock on wood right you never know will be eight o'clock eastern on thursday night opening night of the 2023 nfl draft for sarah ellison i'm bobby trossett signing off from this big board breakdown courtesy of jason smith go check him out on youtube go check him out on twitter at huddle it up films we appreciate him and we'll talk to you guys later this week